If you would, let's look at the verses we're going to be handling today. Philemon, verses 23 and 25. Let me read it to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with your spirit. Let's pray together. Father, help me to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. Help me to be in tune to your Holy Spirit, any word of knowledge you give to me to speak to a person or their situation. Lord, if you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And Lord, you look at all of us today, but you see me differently. Uh, I'm, uh, I, I'm your teacher, I'm your preacher, and on me is a great judgment beyond anything this crowd can give me. I'm under a strict judgment from you because I teach and preach. And Lord, I know that and I accept my place in rightly dividing your word. And would you join me in praying for peace in lots of places? Let's begin by praying over the peace of Jerusalem in Psalm 122.6. Father, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for peace in that land with Israel, Hamas, Palestine, in any of the surrounding conflicts. Lord, we pray for peace uh, with the war between Ukraine and Russia. I, I pray, Lord, that you would raise up the Daniels that would speak to the leaders and have the leaders' ear that speak your kingdom, Lord. I pray for what's going on in Haiti. Lord, we have vested interests there. There are people we love that, that are here, that serve there, and that lead there. And we pray for uh, peace to come to that country. Lord, obviously, we want to pray specifically for uh, Alex's house and Disciples Village, uh, a ministry we are connected to in many different ways. We pray for the resourcing of those children as they have left, have, have left their compound, left their area, their, their, the, where they lived, and now are placed elsewhere. And Lord, that's not the only orphanage that's existing in, in Haiti. There are many. I pray, Lord, for the resourcing of these children there in that area. I pray peace on that country. Lord, I ask for peace for the uprisings that are happening throughout our world and even our nation. I pray for peace even in our own nation, Lord. I, I pray for people's hearts to be turned back to you. Lord, I pray that our houses would be houses of peace in our neighborhoods and in our communities. As you tell the gospels in the gospels, you tell the disciples, when they go to an unfamiliar place, find that house of peace. And Lord, I pray that our houses would be houses of peace for people. Lord, our own lives to be places of peace and instruments of peace. The greatest sermon you ever preached, you told us that blessed are the peacemakers for they will become the sons and the daughters of God. And we pray that you use us in this way. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. In his name, I preach. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to have you here today and to see you. Thank you for uh, blessing us with your presence. If you're new, here are our guests. I'm, I'm Jeff Eaton. I'm the pastor here. We're uh, finishing out the book of Philemon. And I thank you for text and notes you have sent me of things you have learned through this series. And even though it's, it's really just one chapter, it's only a few verses long, we spent a good number of weeks in it. And I, I, I know that a lot of us don't always go to Philemon. We don't always think about 
reading about this, uh, this book or what it has to offer us, but it's very rich in its challenge to us. And today we will be finishing this out. Uh, I, I, I want to tell you, if you're new to our church or you're a guest, I, I've never liked being somewhere and I may come in the middle of something and I don't know what's going on. So if you're a guest, we've been in a series in Philemon and I want to give you the, the short version so I can catch any of you all up for this sermon today. Paul is in house arrest in Rome for preaching the gospel. His friend Philemon is in another part of the world and Philemon is a Christian and in this day he was a slave owner which we don't advocate that. We never advocate Christianity and owning slaves. But in this time and day, the Roman rule was that you could do this. So uh, the Roman law permitted it. And so he had a slave named Onesimus. Onesimus ran away. And he ran away to Rome only to bump into Paul. Paul's under house arrest because he's preaching the gospel. Paul ministers to Onesimus. Onesimus surrenders to the Lord. And then, uh, I, don't, I, I don't know, we don't know if they really knew each other or not, but Paul and Philemon are our best of friends. They're co-laborers in the gospel. They're dear friends. It seems like Philemon, as a businessman, has helped fund Paul's ministry. So he wants to send Onesimus back to Philemon. But the challenge in the letter is, I don't want you to take him back as a slave. I want you to take him back as a brother in the Lord. Onesimus is a new man. He's not the same man that ran away. And so Paul is putting them back together. So uh, I want you to see that uh, the fact of what Paul is doing with Philemon and how he challenges Philemon is very important to us closing out this sermon and this series today. Let's look at verses 23 and 24. I've already given you this list of names. I've told you this. Um, He's talking about Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. We don't know if it's actually the prisoner in Rome where they are, uh, or they've been prisoners together in the past. But Philemon is a member of the church of Colossae, which if you read in the New Testament, the book of Colossians is a letter to Philemon's church, where he goes to church. Epaphras, they're listed first, is the pastor of the church of Colossae, the letter to the Colossians. And he's a, also a fellow prisoner. We, we list Mark there. Uh, Mark, you know, in the Gospels, uh, in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it is this Mark. Um, Aristarchus, is, they know him as just somebody who helped in the ministry in the church at Colossae. I'm going to skip over Demas because I'm going to come back to him in just a moment. And then we have Luke that's mentioned. And yes, that's Luke of the Gospels. Also, Luke wrote the book of Acts and was a fellow missionary with Paul, especially in the book of Acts. But let's go to Demas for just a moment. I skipped over him because there's a good challenge in the person of Demas today. Demas is mentioned three times in Scripture and two times of the three times, he's, he's on mission for the Lord. But there's one time that he's not. And we find it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, this is Paul again writing, and he's writing about Demas. In, Phi, in Philemon, he said uh, Demas was a co-laborer. But here, he's not. For Demas has deserted me 
because he loved this present world and has gone to Thessalonica. He's, he's, uh, he's left him. Um, listen, I'm going to tell you, Paul wouldn't be easy to work for or work with. He would be pretty demanding on us. You and I would probably look at him and go, way too much, man. You're expecting way too much. But uh, Paul was very serious about the gospel. He's very serious about it being taken for people to know the Lord the way that he knows the Lord. And he's very serious about it. And he took it serious if you didn't take it serious. And you're going, well, man, maybe there's too much expectation. There's no doubt that Paul had great expectation. But I ask a question, shouldn't he? Shouldn't there be expectation even among us? Instead of just the status quo? Uh, it, of, of course. And here in 2 Timothy 4.10, uh, Paul says he has deserted him because he loved this present world. Now, I, I want to go ahead and say this. It, it doesn't say that he's left the faith here. It just says that he has deserted Paul in this particular journey. Uh, it doesn't mean that he's left the faith. You can, you can read into it that he's left. It doesn't mean that. Uh, there's no evidence of that. But he's deserted Paul. And he's become a friend of the world. Let me give you a warning from Scripture. Uh, and the warning is, watch out being a friend to the world. Let me go to our friend James for just a moment. Chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. And I want you to see how James's teaching matches the teaching of Paul. He said, verse 3, you ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your desires for pleasure. And we're just going to stay in that verse for just a moment. Um, James says there's a way to pray and miss it. I love Lonnie Riley, a dear missionary friend of this church, and to me personally. And Lonnie said, if you can pray and miss it, then I want to learn to pray and hit it. And the way you miss it is you, you treat him like he's a waiter at your table, like he's a genie in a bottle that's going to give you three wishes. Uh, and you've, you've got to understand Yes, you can pray for things about your life. It doesn't say that here. It just says you're, you're using the Lord to get what you want so you can spend it on your own. Actually, the word is passions. On your own desires and passions that were like, God, you give me this because I want that. It becomes very important that you see that. Now look at verse four, because Demas is mentioned because he becomes a friend to the world. Paul says he became a friend to the world. Uh, adulteresses, this is what James calls such people, because they say with their mouth they love the Lord, but their lives point in another direction. Adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the world's friend becomes God's enemy. I've given this challenge, I've been a pastor for 37 years, and I've given this challenge since day one as a pastor. Uh, back in 1986, uh, when I started pastoring a church, and I, I, I gave people a challenge. I've given you this challenge many times. See if the, if the world and Jesus ever agree. 
See if they ever agree. What, what, give the world's opinion and philosophies and put it next to Jesus' opinion and belief and see if they ever, ever agree. Because you could be listening to me today and you're going, well, man, I don't agree with that. It could be because I'm, I'm preaching kingdom and you're thinking world and they don't go together. They don't go together. To become a friend of the world means you've become an enemy of God. You may even argue with me and say, hey, wait a minute, preacher, I'm neutral in this. There is no neutral with God. He said, you're either for me or you are against me. There is no middle ground to this. He says, you drink from the cup of the Lord or you drink from the cup of demons and Satan. One of the two, there is no middle in this. You're, you're, you can't pull back and go, well, man, I'm just, I, I'm in neutral. It's an idol. There is no such thing to God. So Demas is brought up here because he's left a certain missionary journey with Paul. And, it, and Paul says it's because he's become a friend to the world. There are three people in this room today. I don't know which one you are, but you're one of the three. You're here because you're seeking the Lord. You may have a lot of questions, and, and you, you, may, you just may have a, a, a whole picture of question marks, but at least you're seeking the Lord. I understand that. You may be that person that's here today. You may be that person that's walking with him. You're mature in the Lord. You understand what it is to live in the kingdom. You understand what it is to make kingdom decisions. You understand who your king and your Lord is. And you're, you're literally walking with him. Or you could be the third person who's walking away, away from him. You're drifting. I, I, I wrote a, uh, read a great article last night on how people drift in the church. And it matches everything we've been saying over the past few months. He will have you drift away. And you're either seeking him, you're either walking with him, or you're walking away from him. There, you're one of three people in this room today. One of three. Uh, and it becomes a challenge for us to be able to see. Uh, I, I, I want to say this as a pastor, and I want to defend pastors. I say this all the time. My staff hears me say this all the time. I even say it to people. Yeah, people get mad at me because I tell the truth, and not just on Sunday, but even in a counseling session. And I go, God made preachers so you would have somebody to be mad at. You know? And I, I, I hope you see what I'm trying to tell you I'm, I'm trying to help you not make stupid decisions. Are you all listening to me? I, I'm not here encouraging you all to make sinful, worldly decisions. I'm here doing my best to help head that off with you. You know, some of you look at me and go, how'd I get here? And I go, well, I can tell you how you got there. Thank you. Denny. You see, and, and so here, Demas has, has left this ministry with Paul, it says because he became a friend of the world. Guys, listen, I, I know you can say what you want about preachers and pastors, but I'm just trying to help you not leave mission and to be a friend of the world. That's all I'm trying to do. And I hope you see that as a challenge. I know Paul would expect a lot, but he should. We should too. Maybe we expect too little anymore. Uh, and so with Demas, 
leaving this journey, this mission journey, and, and, and being a friend of the world, I have used the word detour here. And meaning, it seems like Demas has taken a detour. Demas has moved away. Doesn't say he left the faith, but he's made a detour in his life, even concerning Paul and the mission. But it does say he's being tempted to be a friend of the world. So I, I, I've used detours in another way. Look at Isaiah 53, 6. It says, we all went astray like sheep. We've all turned our own way, and the Lord has punished him, meaning the Lord, he's Jesus, and, the, and he's punished Jesus for the iniquity of us all. Uh, I, I use detours because this is not some of us, this is probably all of us. I, I know I have. I know early in our marriage, I, Julie didn't marry a preacher, and you know that, but for those of you who are new, you may not. And so if you think that when Julie married and I married 41 years ago, I was corporate oriented, I was career driven. Uh, I, I, I just, you know, I wasn't even thinking about ministry. I, but I was running from the Lord. It, it's not that I didn't know which path to go. It's I knew which path to go. I just wanted to go my own path. This verse, right? And we've all been there. And, and you're going, well... Preacher, I want to hear the gospel today. Well, I want you to hear the gospel today. And you're going, well, there's no gospel in the example of Demas. There's, there's, there's a great gospel story in the, in the life of Demas, even though he chased and became a friend of the world. There's a, there's a great gospel story right here in Isaiah 53, 6. We've all chosen our own path. And here, here's the gospel story. Here's the gospel story. We, we all have gone our own way. We've been disobedient. We've disappointed him. We've denied him even. But he still loves us and he still died for us. I mean, that's an incredible kind of love. Sometimes you and I just throw people away to the side saying they're done, they're over. I mean, they're overcooked, you know? They're, they're, it's over, it's not over. Some of you even in this room, it's not even started yet. But the point of it is, he died for all of our iniquities. There's a gospel story in Demas of even chasing the world and becoming a friend of the world. He died so we could make the turnaround. He died so we could have the 180 in our life. And God expects us to respond to the gospel story that he loves Demas and can turn Demas around. He loves us and he can turn us around. Don't give up. Don't give up on it. Live, live obediently. God expects us to respond to the gospel and a response to the gospel is to live obediently. Um, I preached one of my best friend's funerals when he was 32 years old. I was 32 years old. Uh, and he had died of a brain tumor. And we played baseball all over the state of Kentucky and softball all over the state of Kentucky. And uh, we uh, were, played baseball in high school and, and Jeff Rexroth was his name. We called him Rex. And I don't know if you all remember one Sunday, his mother and his uncle were here. And I showed you some baseball pictures of Rex and, and he died and I preached his funeral and one of the verses that I used at preaching my best friend's funeral when we're 32 
And uh, sometimes we grieve when people that are like us the same age die because we realize our own mortality. And if Rex could die at 32, I could die at 32, right? And in preaching his funeral, I chose this verse out of Revelation. Be faithful unto death. Unto death. And he said, I will give you the crown of life. I'll make you the greatest winner you have ever seen. So don't be Demas in chasing the world. Don't do that. I'm helping you here. Don't, don't, don't chase the temptation of the world and all that it seems to offer you. Stay focused on mission and on the kingdom of God. Be faithful unto death and he will give you the crown of life. So he mentions these people at the end that we've already read today. And at the beginning of the letter, he mentions a bunch of people too, which is really Philemon's family. But he, he sees them all as co-laborers. And here's a challenge I, I, I want to ask you. Even being a part of our church, if he wrote a letter to our church, or he wrote a letter to somebody else about our church, would you and I be mentioned in this list? Because he, he, he mentions the co-laborers. Wouldn't we? Would you and I be there? Uh, we should be. We should be looked upon when it comes to the gospel and the kingdom that we're co-laborers together. We're not just attenders. We're absolutely co-laborers. When I played ball, I was serious about playing ball. I, I can remember one time I went over and got a jersey from the other team and uh, that was laying on their bench and I took it to one of our ball players who was playing lazy that day and I said, listen, you might as well put their jersey on because you're helping them more than you're helping us. And when it comes to the letter here, I just, just think about it with you. Would he mention you as a brother and sister in the Lord that's a co-laborer in the gospel? Because there's this great listing at the end and this listing at the beginning. And I've wondered, would, would my name be there? Would my name be there? This, this letter that he has written, I told you from the beginning, is a letter about the family of God. As we close out this series and this, this book, this letter, it's about the forgiveness of God. It's about reconciliation and restoring. It's about kingdom life and kingdom principles. It's about all that. And I want to focus on the kingdom stuff with you for just a moment so that you realize the biggest importance of this. Paul is writing a letter to Philemon so that Philemon will just take Onesimus, his runaway slave, back. But he's asking him to take him back as a brother in Christ and not a slave. And you're going, well, man, that's just really between Philemon and Onesimus. Uh, it's one of the layers. Paul is really working hard trying to get Philemon to make a kingdom decision here about Onesimus. I need to make a kingdom decision here. And, and, and I want to show you as we close this out how it's got many layers to it than what you can see. And then part of that is going to be my prayer for you before we leave this place today. So look at the layers with me just for a moment. Paul sees not only that Philemon and Onesimus can come back together, they would have a relationship they've never had before in history. 
and that is as a brother in Christ. Paul sees another layer of Philemon making the right choice, that Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus can work together to further the gospel of Christ. This church that Philemon goes to, that Epaphras is the pastor of, it's the church of Colossae, it's the letter to the, the, of Colossians. And if, if Philemon makes the right kingdom decision, it's going to affect their church in a very positive way. Can I flip that? Your, your worldly decisions hurt our church. So that would say that your kingdom decisions are going to influence our church in a gospel manner. Paul sees another layer. If Philemon makes the right decision here, the kingdom decision, it's going to speak to the whole Roman institution of slavery. Do you see how big this is? It's not just Onesimus and Philemon getting back together again. It's about even saying something to the whole Roman system of slavery. This will affect business people all around Philemon. That whole area, anyone watching, even us who are reading this letter, are affected by the, the kingdom move. And you, you need to see this. Gosh, I pray you see this. That this one move with Philemon and Onesimus has many, many layers to it. And Paul sees that. It's not just two people getting back together. It is all the ripple effect that it will have. And, and I, I really believe this with all of my heart. Can I be honest with you? Sometimes I just don't think you get it. And sometimes I think you don't care. That your kingdom decisions will create movements of God. I don't mean sparks of revival. I mean movements of God. And you're going, well, man, why is God not moving? And I'm going, because we're not responding with a kingdom response. It's a built-in movement. And you're going, well, I can't do it. He's done it through single people, and I don't mean single versus married. I just mean individual people like Evan Roberts. I've studied and even in schools of theology, I've taught spiritual awakenings and I use Evan Roberts a lot. He's a miner. I mean, he's, it's iron ore and coal and he's a miner and he was seeking the Lord. This is in the early 1900s. It's called the Welsh Revival and it's an incredible revival and it's just one dude. I mean, it's one guy who God used in a tremendous way. Hundreds of thousands of people came to know the Lord. Hundreds of thousands. It affected countries. It went on in Wales, in certain areas of Wales, the judge never put on the white gloves, which meant court was in session. And he just laid them there. Years, nobody came to their courtrooms. The, the sheriffs didn't put anybody in jail. The miners had to teach bring in new mules because they were used to being beaten and cussed at and now the miners were Christians and they didn't beat and cuss at them and the darned old mules didn't know what to do. 
And so they had to get the old mules out and bring new mules in because there were new miners down there. One man, one man, not, not clergy, not a deacon, not an elder, not a preacher, not a bishop. One man heard what God had revealed to him and he just turned it into prayer meetings all over the place. And here it is, folks, here it is. I mean, you, you all pay good money for worse advice. You know what I'm saying? And here it is. You have surrendered to a king. And our king has more power and authority than any president, any ruler of any nation. He said at resurrection, all authority is mine. All of it. And we surrender to a king. And we surrender to a kingdom life and a kingdom response. And whenever we make one kingdom decision, it has so many layers to it that you can't see. In fact, my prayer for you today is that God would begin to reveal to you the layers. And then it creates a movement of God. In Jesus' teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, it's Matthew 6, 33, and look at this. It's very important. But seek first the kingdom of God. It's not the world. And it doesn't take on the opinions and the philosophy of the world. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided to you. He, listen, are you listening? He promises to resource kingdom lives. But seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And this will happen. Look at verse 25 quickly. Ending the book in the letter. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. The word spirit here means you. It means your spirit in you. May it be with you. You know that we leave every time we move, we're together with saying grace and peace. I love it. Uh, Paul uses it. Simon Peter uses it in his writings. We say it. You may, just, you may just, just not pay much attention to it, but I really want you to leave, leave this place living in grace and peace. In... Uh, this book starts with grace. If you go back and read the, fir the, the first of it, and it ends with grace, it's bookend. My challenge to you is that your life will be just as bookend by grace as this letter is. Yes. And in that is this, grace found me. And grace will go deep enough to find you. And that's when your life just begins. It's when God's grace finds you. And then it will be his grace that will lead you home. And I just pray that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, not my grace and not your grace, is his grace. I pray that it bookend your life from the day that you surrendered to that grace and that his grace found you until the day that his grace leads you home. And remember, he gives it, we get it, and then he expects us to give it to others. That's kingdom. That starts movements of God. And I pray you're a part of one. Let me pray over you. Father, I pray over our people today. Uh, I know you're speaking, I know you're leading, I know you're guiding. Lord, we're just in a hurry, we don't pay attention, we're hypnotized by the world. Some of us intentionally, we chase it, 
And uh, Lord, I, I pray that if there is a Demas in this place today, Lord, I pray that the, there's a major 180 turnaround, that they realize that living in your kingdom is the most fruitful and faithful life and most influential life. I pray, Lord, that we're able to see the layers revealed to us when we make kingdom decisions with our kids and in our homes and with our jobs and with our friends, that it's really got many layers to it that we can't see. But Lord, I ask that you start beginning to reveal to us how it affects others and how movements of you are created. I pray this over our people today. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray and that we pray together. Amen. Church, would you stand with me? Counselors, would you find your place here today to pray with people? And the invitation is this, whosoever will, for whatever reason today, uh, you come. The team is going to lead us. The spirit and the bride, they say come.